This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Hello and welcome to Working Like Dogs on Pet Life Radio. Thank you for joining us today. We're your hosts. My name is Marcy Davis and my co-host is my amazing service dog, Lovey. And we're thrilled to be with you today to talk about our favorite subject, working dogs and working animals. And today we're going to be talking with writer, director, Daniel Ferguson and producer Dominic Cunningham-Reed on a major IMAX film project that they are currently working on called Superpower Dogs. So come right back after these quick messages as we welcome Daniel Ferguson and Dominic Cunningham-Reed to the show. Nature at its best is nature at its simplest. At Red Barn, we've kept it simple for 20 years by concentrating on single-ingredient natural dog treats. Because Mother Nature's actually pretty good at this. Bones are just tasty bones. Meat treats are just nourishing meat. It's nature at its simplest. Look at the label. We want you to. Red Barn Natural Treats. Simply the best. Find it in your local pet specialty store. Try our slow-roasted natural meaty bones. You love your dog and getting kisses from them. But their breath can be downright stanky. Knock out their smelly breath with Stank Be Gone. Stank Be Gone is made with natural ingredients to eliminate their bad breath while helping to reduce plaque and tartar. Just add a capful to your dog's drinking water. Stank Be Gone is only $19.95. Use promo code STANK to receive a second bottle for just $5. Go to stankbegone.com today. That's stankbegone.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Working Like Dogs on Pet Life Radio. Hello, Daniel and Dominic, and welcome. Hi, Marcy, and hello to Lovey as well. And Lovey gives yeah, us Yeah, hi, Marcy. <laughs> hello, and Lovey says hello as well. <laughs> and I just want you guys to, first of all, tell our listeners where you both are located. So, Daniel, where are you today? Well, I'm in Montreal in Canada, in snowy Montreal. Oh, beautiful. And Dominic, where in the world are you? I am in Kenya, East Africa. My uh, family's um, wildlife sanctuary in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> that sounds wonderful. Both locations sound wonderful. Wow. Well, so tell us how in the world you guys came up with the idea to film a movie about dogs with superpowers. Daniel, do you want to start with that? Sure. I actually, I have to give full credit to Dominic here. I mean, Dominic is our dog whisperer in the team. And, uh, you know, as far back as I can remember, Dom has always been sort of disappearing mysteriously on productions. We work together and all over the world and 
places like Saudi Arabia and Morocco and in, in Jerusalem most recently, and, and Dom would disappear, and we would say, where's Dom gone? And, you know, he'd be off rescuing a dog somewhere. And we started to figure out that he had this incredible affinity for, uh, for animals in general and dogs specifically. And he kind of said, well, why don't we do a movie in, in IMAX about working dogs, and specifically search and rescue dogs? And so we thought, you know, it's never been done before. And we started to travel together and, and find out, you know, how could we tell this story in a way that wasn't a TV movie and was worthy of the giant screen? And we started to quickly realize that these search and rescue dogs and these working dogs and service dogs, they are the real definitions of superheroes in a sense. Because, you know, as a culture, we're obsessed with superheroes and amazing abilities and superhuman powers and so forth. What we realized was that the real superheroes are right in front of us and they're our best friends. And I think once we kind of put that together, the story began to form in our minds. But it really is Dominic's love for, for dogs, and specifically working dogs, that are at the heart of this of this movie. Wow. Well, I couldn't agree with you more because I live with a little superhero every day. So I just love the title of Superpowers. That's awesome. And Dominic, tell us about your passion for dogs. When did you realize that and how did that how has that impacted your life? Well, you know, I grew up in uh, in Kenya and East Africa on a um, wildlife sanctuary. So, you know, we're surrounded by animals. And what that does is growing up is, of course, you maintain your instincts. We're very close to nature. We cohabitate. We understand the animals and the behavioral aspects of day-to-day life. And dogs are very much part of that. And my love of dogs began when I was very, very small. I used to live in a tent in the middle of the bush and I had about six dogs at the time and I would struggle every night to find room in my own bed because they were all in it. (laughs) Um, You know, over the years, I have simply just loved dogs deeply and particularly later in life when I went into my early 20s, I became a photojournalist and I covered wars around Africa and I then became familiar with working dogs and particularly sort of service dogs and military dogs and bomb dogs and all kinds of dogs related to that world and urban search and rescue and then of course later on dogs related to you know saving wildlife in Africa and I just had this huge respect for these dogs and I felt wow it's incredible you know oldest interspecies bond in history between man and dog taken to that level with special training and a really nice relationship between handler and dog. What a special, amazing thing. I mean, it's it's something that money can't buy. And I, I just love that. And so I've always had that huge respect. And I think what it does for me is it's all about celebrating not just the dog, but the working dog. And, you know, elevating that dog to superpower status and showing people how amazing they are and the fact that we are now taking that relationship that is already 40,000 years old or much, much older and take it into the future and they're helping us in so many different ways to do everyday things that we can't do. So this movie is really about celebrating the working dog and raising the status of dogs in the world because, you know, in many parts of the world, they're still, you know, they're disrespected. So, So I'm trying to very much change that message. Oh, I love that. And, you know, I was thinking about that, about the status of dogs, because you're so right. In so many parts of the world, people haven't recognized 
the amazing superpowers that dogs have, like you said, of how they could help us and how they can make our life so much better. So I just love that, that that's what, what you guys are really focusing on is, is raising that awareness to so many places throughout the planet. Because boy, whoever doesn't recognize what dogs can do for us, they're sure missing out on the beauty and the pleasures of life, right? That's yeah. exactly right. I mean, you know, it's a hugely important aspect of this film. And, you know, the fact is that we're going to take you into, you know, the world of a dog like you've never seen before on a giant screen. You know, it's, it's just going to be extraordinary. So anyone who loves dogs and people that even are not that familiar with dogs will learn a huge amount by, by seeing this film. Well, tell us, so, Daniel, how did you guys select the dogs that are going to be included in the film? Well, casting is always an agonizing process, you know, because it's just, uh, you could make 10 films about the subject matter, and there's still so many incredible stories out there. So what we've tried to do here is recognize that, you know, it's a 45-minute film that's going to play on these huge screens in 3D and so forth in museums around the world. And it's a great way for kids to learn science, learn biology, learn genetics, learn about their own pets, but also about themselves. And so what Dom and I did is for the past two years, we've literally been traveling the world trying to find, we've got some great researchers and they're really well connected and through social media and so forth. And they'll find a story for us and we'll go and visit. And what we've got, I mean, we've got so many interesting leads right now and we've actually started filming the project. So this is something that's going to take us two years to to do. We've obviously been working already for two years researching, but the film is going to come out in 2018. And we've got an urban search and rescue dog story. And we've got water rescue and avalanche rescue. We also have, as Dahl mentioned, wildlife trackers, dogs in Kenya who are tracking poachers and saving endangered species like rhinos and elephants. Uh, We've got a medical detection dog, a dog that is on clinical trials to sniff out lung and prostate breast cancer, for example. And then we have a, a service dog in the film as well. So we're really trying to cover the gambit. It's probably going to end up being uh, five main leads with one dog that we follow from puppyhood really all the way through to fully-fledged superhero status as a certified urban search and rescue dog. As we've been building the story in a way that allows you to travel the world to very interesting places and spectacular locations, the mountains, the lakes, and the ocean, and, and the African savanna and so forth, but also to focus on this intimate bond between humans and dogs and how much dogs bring to their communities as well. Wow, what an amazing project. How did you guys get support for such a, a film to travel all over the world? And, and I know you have a partnership with the California Science Center, but how did all of that fall into place so that you guys could really get started? And I'm guessing, Daniel, are you the best to answer that for well, us? Or? Sh- sure, I think it's, uh, I mean, these projects are multi-year, multi-million dollar projects. Certainly, we have you know a team of scientific and academic advisors, in this case veterinarians and animal geneticists and cognitive behavioral specialists and so forth who advise us. But by and large, it's the museums. The museums that have these IMAX and giant screen theaters, they kind of decide which films they're going to support. And we got a lot of traction early. As I said, we've made many films together. Our last movie 
was called Jerusalem 3D, and it, it was very successful around the world. And on the basis of, I think, that and, and our, our own reputations and the subject matter, clearly, there was a great deal of interest. The California Science Center, for example, is working to create an original exhibit called The Science of Dogs that will travel uh, with the film as well. So I think within the museum community, there's a tremendous amount of interest. In fact, when we announced the latest slate of IMAX films, this film actually among the museums was rated number one out of 29 films. And that, I think, shows to what degree that not only museum leaders, but the public is absolutely fascinated by this subject, by dogs in general and working dogs specifically. And what a great platform to get people not only to love dogs and appreciate them, but to have a deeper understanding of, of the science behind how they do what they do. I mean, to our eyes, it looks like voodoo. It's magic. I mean, these <laughs> cognitive and sensory and intuitive and healing superpowers. And that's what's amazing is people want to know how and why and when and all these questions. So I think we have an enormously curious public about the subject. And, um, and there's only so much we can do, of course, in 45 minutes, but we're going to try and really attempt to cover some of the big questions and how we're harnessing all of these incredible superpowers in different breeds. And so people understand the difference between a pet and a working dog, and they have their curiosity satiated, but they go further and they go online and they get involved in their local communities and the museums will invite the local service dog organizations, whether it's service therapy, medical detection, search and rescue, law enforcement, whatever it is that they can come to the museums because they're the real stars. Yeah. Oh, I just love it. Well, and I have to agree with you that it is magic to see these dogs in action. And I always say that it's like getting a glimpse of heaven for just a moment when you actually get to see that human-animal bond and when you get to see the working relationship together. It's just, it is just pure magic. Well, tell us, so Dominic, what was it like to film in 2D and 3D? How is that going? And what's different about that? Well, actually, Daniel is the best to answer the, the technical aspect of the film. All I want to say is that we're still in a process of building the story. We're actually you know, developing special equipment for this movie because we want to be able to give the audiences an experience like they've never had before. We want, them to, we want to take them through the eyes, ears, and nose of a dog. So there's a lot going on at our end technically and in the planning because we want to take the audience on a journey like they've never seen before. But Daniel, why don't you answer the questions related to 2D and 3D specifically? Yeah, I mean, we have a tremendous opportunity, obviously, in that it's a visceral format. So, you know, every shot in, in an IMAX or giant screen movie is kind of a subjective shot. You know, you feel like you're there, that your brain is tricked into believing that you're a dog. And that's such an amazing idea. So what we're trying to do, uh, Marcy, is to take advantage of that and, and to actually uh, develop a camera rig that can film in, say, 250 degrees, you know, to replicate doggy vision, to replicate the color palette. You know, how do dogs actually see uh, what's their sense of vision, near and far? And not only that is, I think what's even more exciting is to translate the olfactory world, the fact that most of the dogs we're profiling are saving people using their noses, and that, for example, 13% of a dog's brain is occupied by the, by the olfactory cortex, you know, sort of in humans it's less than 1%. And we're trying to show the audience in a visual way, what does the world smell like to a dog? You know, what would it look like? The fact that a human being can walk into a Costco or a huge supermarket and pick out the breakfast cereal they want. I mean, that's an amazing thing. We do that with our eyes and our brains that's wired to the visual cortex. A dog 
can detect, as we know, the tiniest trace of an odor, whether sweat or you know human scent, live scent, and that makes the difference in an earthquake setting or under the snow in an avalanche, or whether it's a volatile organic compound in the case of detecting cancer or anticipating an epileptic seizure or low insulin levels, for example, in a diabetic patient, and or even mood changes. The fact that there's so much we don't know as well. You know, how is it that dogs seem to intuit? that seem to know our, our need, seem to be able to peer into our souls and to find it, what is it that we need and be able to provide that. And that, I think I totally agree with you when I say it's that glimpse of heaven because I don't know, you know, many humans that are able to do that in that kind of just pure way. And so what we're trying to do is to use the cameras in such a way to translate the dog's world to our human visual world and also to use things like visual effects, these idea of scent molecules rising and what would they look like? So 3D is a huge part of that because we can have things floating towards the audience and we can use the camera in very unique ways, in a way that I don't think people have seen on TV or, or in any other format. So that's the fun part for us. We're actually filming next week. We're, we're going down to uh, Miami. And we're following a um, actually a Dutch Shepherd puppy named Halo and uh, her handler, who's a, a fire captain in the Miami-Dade Fire Department, who's on Florida Task Force 1. So what we're hoping to do is actually follow at least over 18 months as this puppy discovers its superpowers in terms of everything from agility all the way to confidence and then of course learning its nose and then how to actually rescue someone. I'm going to stop you right there because we're going to hear some messages from our sponsors in our break, but I want to come back and talk more about that because I really want to hear more about that puppy and what you guys are going to do with that for the film. But So let's take just a quick break and hear some important messages from our sponsors, but you can tell we've still got a lot more to talk about. So come right back after these quick messages. Sit. Stay. We'll be right back after a short pause. Well, four to be exact. July 25th, 2006, we adopted April. She's a purebred, orange and white, Brittany. But when she started scratching like crazy, I said to John, it's got to be her food. You know, what you put into a dog is what you get out. We heard this radio commercial, and this woman was so excited about Dynavite. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. 859-428-1000. I said to John, I'm getting this. So the Dynavite comes, and I thought, a light bulb moment. She loves her dog food. She always leaves a little bit in her bowl. So we added a huge scoop of Dynavite in it, and then we swished it around like gravy. She dove into that bowl. She licked it clean. She loved it. So that's been the routine for almost 10 years. April gets Dynavite for dessert. Her coat is now soft. It's silky. It's smooth. She even walks like a little princess. 859-428-1000. On Dynavite. She's Little Miss Hollywood. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Begging to hear more of your favorite show? Full episodes of all our shows are available on demand. Go to PetLifeRadio.com to fetch our entire lineup of possum pet podcasts. Also, dig us up in iHeartRadio and iTunes. Let's talk pets. Live and on demand only from Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. (laughs) 
Welcome back to Working Like Dogs on Pet Life Radio. And we are visiting today with filmmakers Daniel and Dominic. And they are telling us about the incredible, innovative film project that they're working on about working dogs. And before the break, we were talking about the puppy that you guys are going to be following for this. And and you were sharing with us that this little puppy is in Miami. Tell us again the breed of the puppy. This puppy is named Halo, and it is a Dutch Shepherd, so relatively rare in North America, and somewhat like Adam could tell you more, I mean, it is not a German Shepherd. It's a little smaller. It has an interesting coloration. People can certainly Google them. I was really unaware, but I've since done a lot of research in terms of the bloodline, and this is something that's largely bred in the Netherlands, but there are a number of breeders in the U.S., and we just found out about it. We knew that this uh, this fire captain, her name is actually Cat. They call her Cat, which is uh, hilarious for us. But it's the Cat, who's at the Miami-Dade um, Fire Department, was looking for a puppy. Sadly, her last working dog passed away at the age of two of kidney failure. So she decided that she just couldn't bear the idea of of another, you know, cute yellow lab, and she she began to research this uh, Dutch Shepherd breed, and really quite was very smitten with it. So we actually flew out to Detroit to a breeder, and she made a selection between three puppies, and it was just pure magic to watch the connection right there. And and the puppy was about 10, 11 weeks old. So I think if we can follow this all the way through, you know, you never know if a dog has what it takes. But I think Halo already has demonstrated exceptional abilities, intelligence, and we'll see. I mean, we're going to probably end up following a few puppies over the course of their training. And that'll be kind of the the narrative spine of the movie as we visit with all these other dogs in in Italy, for example, working with the Italian Coast Guards and these Newfoundlands who jump out of helicopters and save people from drowning. And and then we are going to go to uh, the Canadian Rockies. We're going to profile uh, one of the most accomplished avalanche rescue dogs. And then we're also going to Kenya. We've got a pair of bloodhound brothers who can track poachers up to about 100 miles away. It's amazing. We've seen them in action. And, and then we've got a couple of other dogs, uh, medical detection and service dogs that we're profiling. But the main story is going to kind of follow this, this puppy from about 10 weeks all the way to maybe even two years old, if we can get there, to hopefully its successful certification exam and, and its eventual readiness for deployment in a real disaster. Wow. Well, Dominic, can you tell us what's been the most powerful thing that you've observed so far about the human-animal bond with the dogs that you've been working with? Well, you know, I think from, I think when you really look at it carefully, in my view, it's just that unknown magic that occurs when, you know, one has to look back, one has to look back in time and realize that you can't look at a dog without seeing as sort of emotionally part human. We co-evolved. We probably wouldn't be where we are today without them. And I think, you know, when you have the magic of a, of a handler and his working dog, and you just kind of sit back and watch it happen, it's so subtle and there's so many little nuances, but the communication that's going on is just sublime. And I think it's that ability of dogs to not only read our emotions, and handlers to communicate in that sort of quasi-telepathic way. It's the fact that dogs have the ability to interpret what we're trying to say. And so I think for me, you know, every situation that I go into where I see 
working dogs and their handlers at work, I think it's a really special thing just to sit back and kind of just pick up those little nuances. And then if you apply it to all the cool things that they're doing for us, whether it's bomb detection, whether it's medical detection, whether it's search and rescue, the fact that we've been able to talk to dogs and then to us to get them to help our lives, improve our lives and save lives. I mean, I don't think it gets better than that. And I just think, you know, capturing that magic on, on the giant screen is our mission. And that's obviously why we spend many years to get this right, because um, it's such a beautiful giant canvas. And if we can get it right and translate it onto that screen, it's just going to be a hell of an adventure. Boy, I'll say, I can't wait to see it. I don't know if I can stand to wait till 2018. Wow. I mean, just, you're right, capturing that. I mean, it's hard to even articulate that. But to do that in the medium of film is just going to be so amazing. And I know that you guys are really using social media to communicate with people about the project. So, Daniel, can you tell us about what you guys are doing and how people can have input into the project? Yeah. It's hugely important for us, Marcy, this this idea of not just using social media as a sort of promotional platform, but really having a, a genuine feedback with uh, with our fans. With we call them super fans, because you know everyone has really been so passionate about the subject matter. And as Dom says, we are determined to get it right. And what we mean by that is just listening. We want to listen to people. And if there's a huge consensus that people want us to try and include a particular message or a breed, we'll listen to that. And I think that's why one of the reasons we want people to join us on this adventure and follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and follow Superpower Dogs, it is going to be, as I said, a two-year journey up until the launch of the film in 2018, which is when the uh, exhibit will launch at the California Science Center, and then it'll go across the world. And I really think that um, we will benefit as filmmakers from that feedback we get from, uh, from our superfans as well. Wow. And so people can follow you on Twitter, Instagram, I'm guessing. And how will they find you on those different social media outlets? So you just search Superpower Dogs. We've got handles for all of them. So Twitter, Superpower Dogs, Facebook.com, Superpower Dogs. We're very easy to find and and, uh, we've got some pretty iconic images. And we've got an amazing team at Project Factory that actually did a lot of the social media for uh, the the show Downton Abbey. And and they, they do incredible posts. I mean, I learn things actually every day from their posts because it's it really is about the entire, the broad working dog world. And what fans can do, of course, is they can send in, you know, tell us about your dog's superpowers. Because part of the message here is that we're sort of making a movie about the equivalent of the Olympic athletes of the dog world, you know, the search and rescue community. It's not every dog, let's face it, who can go search and rescue or, or medical detection, whatever it is. But the point is that every dog has a superpower. And maybe that power is just making you feel less lonely, is rescuing you from the depths of despair, whatever it is, every dog has a superpower. And we want to know what those superpowers are. And that's, I think, what makes the project much more interesting than just a movie for us. Right. Yeah, we really want to build the community. It's so important that everybody who loves dogs pitches in and really becomes part of this film, becomes part of the journey and tells us about their dogs. I mean, we would love to hear stories from people about their dogs and what they consider their dogs' superpowers to be because we know they're out there and we're believers. We know 
we just want to hear the stories. It's just hard for us to reach out everywhere. We'd like a lot of stuff to come to us if we can. Yeah, well, I'm sure that there are so many people out there that have working dogs that would just love to share with you. And and I've had a working dog for over 25 years, and I am still blown away every day by what they do for me, by what each of those dogs has done for me. And I mean, it's just, and it is like an athlete. I've always looked at my dogs as I have this incredible Olympic athlete that I have to make sure has the best food I can give it, has the best exercise you know, so that they can do the incredible job that they are tasked with doing. But I do want to ask you, Dominic, a question about, we've talked about this a little bit, but what do you really think is the call to action for this film? How do you really define that? I think, you know, in a nutshell, it's to celebrate the dog's role in our lives, but also to raise its status and in the world. And awareness, awareness to what they're doing for us, what we're doing for them. But also, you know, I'm particularly interested in just people having a greater awareness and understanding and appreciation for dogs. And I, I, you know, I I relate that back to, you know, there's lots of people in the world who, you know, adopt a working dog, but don't really know how, what it means. And I think it's very important that they do know what it needs because they do have very special needs. And I think in many parts of the world, particularly obviously China, I think a lot of things have to change vis-a-vis dogs. But I also just see this film as a really great adventure to celebrate dogs and particularly working dogs in the world. And I think a lot of stuff will come on the back of it through our educational program, through our, our web material online, and through the community that we build. I think there's a huge dialogue that can place as we go. You know, we want to build a huge dog engine that uh, improves the lives of dogs worldwide. That's wonderful. And Daniel, do you have anything you want to add to that? Well, I think, uh, you know, gearing up that massive dog engine is what we're all about. I love that from Dom. No, I think it is a stark reminder to us, and we travel the world a great deal. We have this unparalleled kind of opportunity here, this platform to play all around the world in countries, frankly, where the culture isn't the same, where there isn't that appreciation or understanding of what dogs can do. And I think if we can change that, then we really can do what Dom says, which is improve the conditions and lives of dogs worldwide. That's a lofty goal. I really think that we can play some kind of part in that. Well, it sounds like you guys are are doing more than just playing a part in that. You're leading the efforts in that. And I cannot wait to see the film. And so just to remind us, so it will be in museums and with an IBAX. So how's the best way, I guess, just to follow you guys on all the social media opportunities? I think that's absolutely the best way is uh, whatever your preferred social media is, whether it's Facebook or Twitter or Instagram, if you're more image oriented, any of those will tell you kind of what's going on, where are we, where are we filming, what are we filming, how's it going, Uh, we'll be having sneak peeks at footage and that kind of thing, so you can sort of see the project grow. And and then come spring, summer, because we really believe it's a summer film for families and kids and so forth, we hope that it'll be in as many museums as possible. So, I mean, for you, it'll probably be, you know, for example, at the New Mexico Museum of Natural History down in Albuquerque. 
And, uh, and I think, you know, just look up your nearest museum that has either an IMAX or a giant screen, a 3D screen. And, and at that point in 2018, and if you don't find it, just call us up and we'll hound the museums until they bring it in. <laughs> well, I was going to say, we definitely would love for you guys to come back and tell us your adventures after you've finished. So it's so awesome to get to talk to you in the midst of it. And I guarantee you that Lovey and I are super fans of super dogs. So, I mean... <laughs> We will look so forward to it. And thank you so much for being with us today. We're just so thrilled for what you're doing, for what it it will mean for working dogs and for all of our canines. So thank you. Thank you for this incredible project. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. And um, we hope that Marcy and you and Lovey get to come and see the movie together. We will. You can count on it. Absolutely. Well, and thank you, our listeners, for being with us. We love to hear from you. So please keep those emails coming. We just love your your thoughts and ideas for future shows. So thank you for that. And you know, our listeners, that you can follow Lovey and I at workinglikedogs.com on Facebook and Twitter as well. And we look forward to being with you again soon. So take good care. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.